on each side of the thing. happening everybody welcome on into the check your brain podcast wherever you are listening or watching this yes watching i have this on youtube and rumble as well as vimeo and it's on my patreon uh yes and i did mention patreon go to patreon.com slash tony mazer for just three bucks a month you get podcasts just like this solo episodes with me early access to guests everything like that uh, but if you don't feel like it, I have a podcast that goes out every Wednesday. So go check that out on your major podcast platforms. My name is Tony Mazur. Yes, I'm mustachioed today. It's January. My wife hates it. But you know what? New year, new me, as we like to say. Uh, joining me uh, on his second slash third appearance. And the reason I say that is this is his second appearance on this podcast the free podcast, but then we did an exclusive episode on my Patreon. So it's technically three, but also if you don't subscribe, it's two. And that is David Chapman. David is the author of the book who I had on last year, Forgotten Nine, Baseball Players Who Belong in the Hall of Fame. And it's a great book for people who really want to dig into the the baseball players from back in the day. And, and since I've had you on and we talked about this. I've gone to Cooperstown. I went to the Baseball Hall mm -hmm. of Fame back in October. And yeah, it was such a, a great time. time. And you start to yeah. really get a lot of you get you get a look of who these players are. And you see all these like old Haas, Radborn, and all of these Mordecai, Three Fingers Brown. But then there's these other guys who should be in there. And and yet I'm looking at a thing that says Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame, and I'm just shaking my head. It's so cringe. <laughs> Isn't it bad? But uh, but he is the author of that book, so go check that out. But my Patreon exclusive is we talked politics and we talked about the rise of the Trump and DeSantis moment that was going on back in February, March last year. Well, we're going to talk politics in this podcast. We are going to talk about the continued rise and the downfall of the other GOP candidates with David Chapman. David, once again, thanks for being on the podcast here. Mm hmm. So yep. uh, so you and I talked back in March about Donald Trump, and I, I, I mentioned something along the lines of Trump's announcement in November of 22 was a little bit lackluster compared to his previous announcement. It didn't seem like it had the pizzazz, the the, um, you know, the, the feel of what it had in 2015, 2016. And for people who are young and listening to this, who may not have really, truly experienced what 2016 was like. It was a roller coaster, and it led up to what ended up happening in November, November 8th of 2016 of him being elected. And it, it was it's indescribable what that was like. So by 22 and after all this stuff going on, he announces that he's going to run for president. And it just it didn't have that same feel It's like you lost that love and feeling. 
He had yet. all the buzzwords, but none of the energy. Exactly. It just, it didn't, and, and I was down in Florida at the time. I was just a few miles up the road from Mar-a-Lago. I wasn't there. And it just, I remembered listening to it uh, and I'm, I'm going around the public transportation down in Florida and I'm just going like, man, he just, maybe, maybe DeSantis, maybe DeSantis is the future. I'm in DeSantis land. I've spent all my vacations down here in Florida because of good governance. And that's what you do when you have a good governor and you see what he's done with a, a state, you keep going down there. And uh, not long after we recorded the podcast, I got to see Ron DeSantis live. He had not announced that he was running for president yet. He had a book out and he was very self-aggrandizing about his book and what he has accomplished and everything. And I did this in Florida. I did this. I did this. I'm like, all right, I get it. I get it. And then since then, there hasn't been much of anything with the DeSantis campaign. If anything, he's l l dropping in the polls right now based on donors for Nikki Haley and kind of the Trump-like MAGA feel of Vivek Ramaswamy. And, well, Chris Christie's still around at this time. But, David, talk a little bit about you sticking with Team Trump. You've been on this the whole time. You've kind of called out a lot of what seems like a lot of grifters and online influencers in the DeSantis campaign. Talk about how you stayed with him and you really kind of predicted this continued momentum for him. Well, I I thought it was obvious with DeSantis. I guess I was wrong. It wasn't that obvious, but I was right about DeSantis nonetheless. I just saw that he seemed less of a political, a power maneuver and just a guy that was signing legislation that was putting in front of him um you looked at his history prior to being a governor and prior to trump coming into power and he was a traditional neocon on foreign policy everyone has now finally looked into that and has seen all of his voting records on on iran and israel and and all this stuff that is traditional you know no different than john mccain type stuff and it's like Okay, we could have saw that two years ago, but we didn't. We went through all of this grifting stuff. So it's whatever. Um, but yeah, I was kind of one of those silent voices calling people out. The thing is with um, DeSantis now is that he seems to have spent most of his money. The biggest hit to his campaign, because they, they believed that when Tim Scott and Mike Pence dropped out, those votes would go to him. And they didn't. They went to Haley. And mm -hmm. so that was the first gut punch to his campaign to where they were hitting the panic button. And it, so and now Haley is actually she's savvy. I don't like her, but she's savvy. Um, she if a few others drop out and she ends up with a little bit more of the percentage of the vote, she could be an interesting candidate, especially setting herself up for 2028. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this about, and others, it's not me coming up with this on my own. I've, I've heard people talk about this before, is Ron DeSantis is a man without a home right now. Because if you're going to look at the more America first type of people, mm -hmm. the MAGA wing, they're going to Trump. If you're looking for a neocon wing, they're going to Nikki Haley now, because that's what the, when the donors have a say in wh where you're going and what to, what you need to say, what you I need hate to Trump tweet, is what Chris you need Christie. to, uh, well, yeah, exactly. They're going on to that side. So Ron DeSantis is trying to both sides, the neocons and the MAGA movement. And what he's finding out is, mm, no, no, it's an either or. It's a, it's a binary choice, it seems like mm -hmm. right now. 
And that's what's frustrating a lot of the online, the Max Nordaus and the um, uh, John Cardios and everybody else, the, the Christina Peshaw, which I normally like those people, but they're acting very strange. It, it's almost like they're calling people stupid for supporting Donald Trump. It's like Trump supported Fauci. Trump supported lockdowns. What? Well, DeSantis didn't. Why are these people? And isn't the customer always right? And the, the customers are the voters and the voters are like, yeah, I could go for four more years of Trump right now. Yeah. And it Trump has an easier case to make because he's got the record and the economy, which is his strongest issue is in the toilet. So it's his, He's in the most favorable situation of anybody right now. And DeSantis, I think he, he got pushed. I don't I I think if he had his personal preference, he would have waited until 2028. But so many I think so many people behind him pushed him, especially his wife. I, I think that his wife is far more active in that campaign than people want to admit. And um, she she wanted her um, Jackie Kennedy moment. Well, and he's also being term limited, too. So there's he would be done by 26 and then he would like, I guess, run for president again in 20 2026. He'll be done. So he'll have like a year and a half, maybe two years of just kind of nothing to do. Uh, but, I, I mean, I Trump had like nothing to do and he used that time phenomenally to build another campaign. True. But that's that's the difference is that Trump is it, I think what a lot of people are finding out is Donald Trump is a much different type of candidate that. If Trump said, mm -hmm. if any other candidate said some of the things that Trump has said, it could be damaging to them. Right. But Trump is an anomaly. He and nobody can be him. You can try to pretend you are. You can say the uh, certain buzzwords. You can say the phrases. You can say build the wall. You could say everything like that. But you're still not Donald Trump. And I think that's what DeSantis ended up finding out is you can be Trumpy in some ways. You can be neocon in other ways. And it just it it may translate as a governor, but not necessarily as a presidential candidate. And again, getting back to where we were a year ago, that I think a lot of people were kind of looking at DeSantis going, maybe that's the next generation. Maybe that's what we need to look to. Maybe maybe Trump's time is up. Maybe he's lost his touch. He's lost his fastball. And it, it just seems like since then, the DeSantis campaign just hit j just a wall and cannot push through that wall. They're frustrated because they think DeSantis bucked the trend of the, the COVID mandates, the vaccines, the mask mandates in Florida. DeSantis is the one taking immigrants that are here illegally and sending them up to Martha's Vineyard and all these other places. What more does he need to do to ingratiate himself? And in my opinion, I think what really killed his campaign was when he was a little bit mm, not as tough of an answer on Ukraine. And it pissed off both sides because I think a lot of Republicans thought, uh oh, here's another George W. Bush neocon. And then here's the donors and the liberals would say, oh, he's not tough enough on Ukraine. He's he doesn't think that we he thinks that we probably shouldn't send. So his response wasn't good enough. And I, that's when I started noticing the donors and more people talk about Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. Just my opinion. That was just what I saw. But that I was know. early I mean, last year, practice. right? That was early last year, right? Like it was like mid something like maybe April or May that there. Right. Were, uh, that's, so that was right around the first indictment. And if I remember right, and they. What DeSantis did is he was answering in a press conference because he refused to address the indictment. And finally he did. And he completely threw Trump under the bus. 
And then his campaign panicked. So they got him on TV somewhere and he cleaned that up, but then he gave the Ukraine answer. Mm -hmm. And so. Because don't get me wrong for me and you, because I I noticed it with your tweets and in your conversations with people that you don't hate Ron DeSantis. You just don't think he's right for the job. I just don't trust him. I just don't trust him. You don't you don't trust him, but you don't you like if it were between DeSantis and, say, a Joe Biden or whatever, you would you probably would hold your nose, but you would still vote for a DeSantis. So it's not like you're coming at this as a as a personal grievance or anything. But oh, sure not. No. he just feel he has that feel that I think a lot of people uh, have looked to because, well, I, I, I want to preface this when I say about Nikki Haley is that Nikki Haley had the bad answer on the Civil War a couple of weeks ago. She had the bad, she's had bad answers on everything. It's like, what do you want me to say? She tweets like everything, support Israel, support Israel, support Ukraine, support Israel, support Israel, Mm -hmm. because her donors want her to support Israel and they want her to do that. She's an absolutely bought and paid for candidate. And it's weird to think that post-2016, post-Jeb Bush, post-Mitt Romney, post John McCain, that we're still going to have bought and paid for candidates. And that's what I think is, again, frustrating the DeSantis campaign is that somebody who wasn't on anybody's radar, you can't think of one person who would vote for Nikki Haley at this time unless it's the only option on the GOP. Yet she's rising in the polls. Donald Trump, who's said inflammatory things over the years, and he may not have been the best in the COVID year of 2020, blah, 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 go through it. And it's frustrating to them, yet they just can't seem to break out of their own way. It's it's basically the Principal Skinner meme from Simpsons. It's like, our, no, 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 it's the kids that are wrong. And that goes back to what DeSantis found out. It's a binary choice between the neocons and Trump is that DeSantis thought he could come in. And so if I had a choice between Biden and DeSantis, I'm voting DeSantis. But if I have a choice between Haley and Biden, I'm not voting at all. No. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So um, but the difference is that there is only a with the Trump era Republicans, there's a binary choice. It's MAGA or neocons. There's not a middle lane. And that's where DeSantis just dies out. And that's what I think a lot of people in 2016 were confused about. Even even a lot of like mainstream, like Ben Shapiro type of conservatives was you have a good, you have strong conservatives up here. You have somebody who's a little bit more libertarian in Rand Paul. You have Jeb Bush, who's been a, a solid Republican governor in Florida. Gee, where's where have I heard that one before? Uh, you, you have all these candidates. You have Chris Christie. He was very popular, very successful until the bridge thing in, in New Jersey. And then you have this, this and then you have this orange skinned pompadour haired guy coming down an elevator. And yet he's rising in the polls and seem, people seem to be gravitating toward him. And. It's weird to think eight years later, a lot of people on our side still haven't learned this, those lessons. Right. Um, there are still people who think that, um, and this was the thing that I tried to convince people with DeSantis, is that just because he talks and sounds like Trump doesn't mean that he is Trump. Um, there's He can still have donors that are nefarious and still have um, corrupt um, motives that you know, he'll get you on immigration, but he'll screw you on the Middle East, um, things like that. Um, whereas with Trump, he's not bought and paid for. So it's it, he's that anomaly where he um, kind of gets to do whatever he wants. And it's that lesson that no one has learned still is that 
Trump is an anomaly and not that, oh, just because they talk about like DeSantis talks like Trump, he is Trump. No, no. He is policy like Trump, but the real Trump is the outsider, not the policy. It's the outsider. That's Trump. And so a lot yeah. of people don't a lot of people don't differentiate that. They think the policy, not the not the rebellion. So yeah, and people don't you you have to wonder what because I, I know a lot of people think about the next generation. What what is the next generation? And will the next generation after Trump, let say, let's say he wins and it's 2028 and he's done, and here we are. Uh there's no Trump can't run again. Who's the next generation? Do they gravitate more towards the MAGA movement, the America First movement? Or are we going back to 2002 uh, neoconservatives of, you know, the the Donald Rumsfelds and the Condoleezza Rice? Are we going back to that? And that's what I'm concerned about, because it seems like a lot of these neocons are still in the waiting, as we've seen during mm -hmm. this uh, the, this conflict with, with Gaza and, and Israel and Palestine, is that you're seeing a lot of these neocons start to they may have been a little bit better on the covid stuff over time by saying, guys, maybe we shouldn't mandate uh, these things in your arm and maybe putting uh, maybe telling employees, employers not to fire you if you didn't take this in your arm. Maybe that's not a good idea. So and then they got better on cultural issues. But then, boy, as soon as October 7th happened, they went full on. It's 2003 all over again. Bomb Iran. Uh, all this kind of stuff. So I'm concerned that the neocons are just hiding in the grass right now and trying to sabotage this. Well, uh, that's maybe what I was saying about being paranoid. No, I think you're right. That's what I was saying about Nikki Haley. If um, she starts to gain more support and coalesces like maybe 17, 20%, she's not going to contend for the nomination this time. But if she, you know, makes some fireworks going on here, she sets herself up. And in a post Trump world, she is electable in a primary. <laughs> And that's scary because there is no other Trump right now. Nope. And there, I mean, does Vivek have a national appeal? I don't know. Um, it, DeSantis is gone. He's been um, ruined. So um, who's the next MAGA lane? And so if there's not a clear MAGA lane created or de, um, established, then someone like Nikki Haley goes straight to the nomination. And a lot of boomers will be out there saying, well, because I remember this when Condoleezza Rice would. When every couple of years you were hearing this in the 2000s. You know, maybe Condoleezza Rice should run. You know why? Because she's a black woman. And now the media won't know what to attack her with. And I'm thinking, boy, are you naive? They'll call her the N-word if they need to. As long as they'll have white people call her Uncle Tom and that and Coon and every you name it on television, white people. And it'll be OK because it's politics over race. People don't understand that it's not necessarily about race. It's politics first. Are you on the right political? I, I remember seeing this All in Ohio. Power. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not race. It's class. And and uh, I, I remember this thinking. Think about this when I was 18. So it's 2006. In Ohio, we had the former attorney general, Ken Blackwell, was running for, for governor. And Ted Strickland, who was a feckless Democrat, was running, was a boring white guy. And I remembered my naive 18-year-old brain thinking, well, gee, they should, even though he's a Republican, they should elect this guy because he's a person of color or whatever. Now he lost. And they ran so many attack ads on him as what we saw a couple of years ago in California during the recall election, saying that Larry Elder, a black man, but he's a Republican, is the black face of white supremacy. So therefore, people ran back to the polls 
and voted for their oppressor, which was Gavin Newsom once again. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean about race. So when I mean that about Nikki Haley, if anybody says, well, she, you know, she's an Indian woman. And remember, she's a woman. They can't attack her. Yes, they will. They'll call her any name in the book. They will try to destroy her. But they're going to prop her up the way they did with John McCain. John McCain was everyone's favorite politician until he ran against yeah, Barack Hussein they'll Obama. They'll do to her what they did to Sarah Palin. Exactly. Use, it's yeah. like kind of like a, it's a useful, I don't want to say useful idiot, but it's a tool. It's a useful tool to use. And then it when it gets to a point where she is no longer convenient, they'll throw her under the bus. Look at Chris Christie right now. Chris Christie lowered the flags at half-mast for Whitney Houston dying. Not for a former president, for a, a, a crack addict singer that sang the national anthem once and everybody had to, but for her final 20 years, she was a joke, her and Bobby Brown. And yet we lowered the flags to half staff for Whitney Houston. But and then he's hugging Barack Obama after Hurricane Sandy and everything like that. And so he was everyone's favorite governor until he was running for president and until this and that. And then now we hated Chris Christie. And now that because he's on the, the opposite side of Trump, now we like Chris Christie again. So mm -hmm. these people have to understand that they are being used by the media. They are being manipulated. John Kasich did the same thing. All of that go through the whole list. But here we are. Uh, anything they can do to take down the Trump movement, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. Well, I like Chris Christie because he's the new generation of your mama so fat jokes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, yeah, they're um, useful idiots. Um, Kennedy on Fox News, I was watching her last. Well, I turned her off after like five minutes because she's so cringe. But um, she was already promoting the um, the the Nikki Haley's like it's going to be Nikki Haley and Kamala Harris. There'll be four boobs and an estrogen fueled election. It'll be so great. And it's like, again, Chris Christie's yeah. still running. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, yeah, are we? Is but yeah, they don't, they don't have learned. For? Is that uh, what they're trying to gear up for? Is that they think that Donald Trump is probably going to be behind bars or he's going to be that's what she insinuated. With all these. Yeah, so they are ready for that. Fox News is ready for that. <sighs> Boy, here we go again. I mean, so uh, let, let's talk a little Trump. And I want to get to talk about other candidates and movements, everything. We'll get back to around that. But so Donald Trump right now, you sent me a poll uh, as of this time, I'm going to pull it up here as I share the screen. Um, but Trump is in way better place than he was even four years ago right now. Yeah. Um, right. So you look at the trends, um, for primaries, Trump will be like the third best performance in the history of all Iowa caucuses. Like you look at the performances of Republicans, there's only two double digit victors in, in the history of Iowa caucuses. And then the Democrats have had a few. And then if you go to like um, victors that have won double digits in Iowa and then gone on to win, um, gone on to win New Hampshire, J only Jimmy Carter in 1980 went on to win New Hampshire by double digits. Al Gore won by four. But um, only four people in the history of um, the primaries have won both Iowa and New Hampshire. And I say that because Trump has a 20-point lead or greater in both of those states. Yeah, it's it's honestly, it's incredible because when you hear about the Iowa caucus and there's some random names that end up winning in Iowa that you'll hear like, 
I think Bernie Sanders won for the Democrats. Uh, you'll have you'll have uh, won that year. Yeah, Ted, Ted Cruz won in twenty sixteen. But yeah. how how did that work out? So it's it's interesting right now because you think about what Trump has gone through, the amount of the indictments, the the pressure on him, the fact that they're going to bog him down in courtrooms in New York, in Florida, in Washington, D.C., in Georgia, all through. So he won't be able to really campaign. Not that it really matters, because when Trump does campaign, it's going to be like going to a Van Halen concert in 1978. That's just how it is. If you've ever been to a rally. Uh, so a lot of this is going on, and it really does seem like the DeSantis's and the Haley's are gearing up for the possibility that that Maine, that Colorado, that this is going to be a nationwide thing, and more places are going to be concerned about the Fourteenth Amendment and kicking Trump off ballots. That they're going to be like, "Well, hey, we're we're in second and third place, respectively. Count on us to just move up one place." Well, they did just put him back on on Colorado. Yes, as they um, should ridiculous yeah right um but yeah um the trump's performance if polls hold or it's going to be the most historic performance we've ever seen if you look at colorado new hampshire and iowa only one person has won all three and that was al gore in 2000 um yeah so um but new hampshire is probably the most dangerous state for trump because of the the independents can vote and the the governor there does not support him. So, you know, there's going to be some level of shenanigans, but he's still going to win it. But that's probably the most dangerous state for him in the early going. Yeah, because then by the time you get to South Carolina, that's when the that's when the chips start to fall. That's when you, you're going to eventually see people really start to bow out. Um, Ron DeSantis has put a lot of time, energy, money into Iowa. And if he doesn't win that, that's when you have to start looking at it and say, Ron, you got to you, you can't stick around here. Yeah, um, maybe they try to get everybody out and coalesce around Haley. Like in 2020, they kicked everybody out except for Sanders and coalesced around Biden on Super Tuesday. Um, maybe they try to do that with Haley, take a one last shot at Trump on Super Tuesday. Mind you, um, not that it'll matter. He has a massive lead in every state. But um, Trump will not be available to campaign the day before Super Tuesday because he'll be on trial. So, of course, that's uh, funny how that works, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's planned. It's it's an amazing election interference that they've elaborated here because pretty much they are out of cards. They've played every other card the last six years. Oh, yeah. And one thing for a lot of people to to understand is that we're not going we're not going back in time like it's if Trump is off the ballot and and he like he ends up getting forced there. There's people who are going to hold their nose and vote for whoever is the next candidate, whether it is DeSantis or Haley or whatever it is. But there is a new movement with what you're seeing with Vivek Ramaswamy. And I, I don't know your thoughts on Vivek. Um, I, I think he said some things over the past, what, maybe three, four years that were a little bit more um more regime type of talking points or whatever. And then all of a sudden it seems like in the last year or two, he's going on a lot of podcasts. In fact, I think what he's doing is, is what Ron DeSantis should have been doing. Vivek is going on podcasts. He's talking to zoomers. He's using TikTok. He's, he's reaching out to a younger generation of people who are saying it doesn't have to be this way. Ron DeSantis should have been doing that. Instead, he's going on CNN. Who's watching That's CNN? That's what Trump did in 2015. 
Exactly. He so went it, to um, Rush Limbaugh and he went to um, all these um, third party independent groups that no one had ever heard of and was um, being broadcast on Alex Jones or wherever, wherever he could that was not mainstream media to be heard. Um, yeah, it's a great strategy because only a select few people are going to listen to you on CNN and they're not going to care what you have to say. Yeah, they, they think if you're attached to anything on uh, to the right of Bernie, Bernie Sanders, you're an insurrectionist. So you're just going into a lion's den. It's going to be it, it's really not going to help you see what Vivek is doing is he is going on MSNBC and CNN and he's going on Michael Malice's podcast. He's going on mm-hmm. Dave Smith's podcast. He's going on Alex Jones. He's doing all of this. You have to do that if you're a candidate who's not yet 40. He's a millennial. He has some interesting ideas. He is an America first type of politician. And yet Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are just doing your typical CNN and MSNBC and Fox News hits. And at that point, you're all you're doing is you're just talking into an echo chamber. That's another disappointing thing about DeSantis is he has not learned the new generation of campaigning at a national level is that for all the, the hype and everything that we thought DeSantis was, he is not a very good campaigner. Um, he shouldn't be on CNN and Fox News exclusively. He should um, be on radio shows and podcasts. He should know this too. That's the problem. He should know this, and he doesn't. So, what do you what do you think about Vivek? Do you think that um, he's somebody for the future, the next generation of the America First movement, or is he? Some people think he's grifting his way to try to get into a potential Trump administration cabinet or run for senator in Ohio or whatever. What what are your thoughts on Vivek? Um, Vivek could possibly be um, a piece for the future if he sets himself upright, if he doesn't um, stay in the race too long and embarrass himself. If he ends up being senator, that would be even better. would be even better than that would be a Trump administration um, official than just Senator, in my opinion, because then you're directly linked to Trump. So um, if he plays his cards right, yeah, but I think he's probably a good candidate for a MAGA lane in 28. Um, I don't really have a problem with the regime stuff that he said before. A lot of that stuff is just playing nice and saying politically correct things because he's a Wall Street guy, too. Um, he's a, an entrepreneur and a businessman, and sometimes you just have to say things to make people happy with you. So um, well, that's what Trump how much did. Of, yeah, exactly. Because people so, say, um, well, Trump's a liar. And I'm like, Trump's a BSer. And right. for a guy who's not Chinese or Jewish or Italian in the 1970s to build property in Manhattan, it's very impressive. And you have to BS your way into trying to find a, find a way to get that property and get those permits. So that's why having a businessman and having somebody do that was a, it was attractive for us in the last decade, attractive of somebody who can c- come on board and say, all right, yeah, this guy knows how to get things done. He's not a typical politician, not an establishment politician who's also a lawyer. And it's a Harvard educated Yale, blah, 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 blah. It was like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. Um, yeah, that was part of his selling point. It's also what made him authentic. Uh, um, I also remember like, so. One of the things, and I think Vivek has said it too, but like, um, you know, you BS, but Trump, I remember when he um, was asked, why does he give um, donate Democrat donations back in 2015? He's like, well, you got to bribe the right people to get your permits. So, mm-hmm. I mean, 
it's the honesty too that helps authenticity. Um, one of the things that Nikki Haley has not figured out. She um, one minute it's the Civil War is not about slavery. The next minute she's like, "Well, I figured you would already know that, and I didn't want to get into that." And then, you know, the next minute she's got a different answer. It's like, just tell the truth. Just be yourself. Did you but, did you hear what she said recently about the Iowa to the New Hampshire caucuses and the primaries? Is that you have to change your personality. So you have to be right. wear a straw hat and talk down with a hayseed in your mouth in Iowa. But then when you go over to New Hampshire, what you put on a, a sweater with an emblem on it and you smoke a pipe with them. And then, then what do you do? You wear a South Carolina Gamecocks hat when you're in, when you're in South Carolina, like what? Like you don't change your personality. That's the point is that you're a genuine personality that it doesn't matter that who you are in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, you can be appeal to all three states. With her, she's a shapeshifter. Well, that rem, um, that immediately made me think she was a, a rhino, a Democrat in waiting, because that was something Hillary Clinton once said, too. Um, I'm and... in no ways tired. <laughs> um, but yeah, she is... Um... A liberal. She she believes in Nikki Haley believes in like all the tenets of the neoliberalism, a finance based economy, mass immigration, endless wars, and um so on. So she she's all in for it and she's not good at hiding it. Although I again I think she is savvy and I think she can control that neocon lane in twenty eight if she given a chance. It just depends the MAGA who who comes up you know i always have thought that don jr would be a great candidate um but i don't think he's interested yeah i don't know if he is either i think he likes being the the media personality yeah speaking of other candidates um before we get to we'll get to joe biden and get the real appeal as to why people should not vote for joe biden whether whoever you want to vote for um since we have talked back in march there was another candidate who was making some waves as a third party candidate because he's not going to be a Democrat, unfortunately, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And he announces his run for president. And all of a sudden you have ABC News who interviews him, yet has to edit his interview by saying he said some misinformation about vaccines, blah, blah, blah. We don't agree with that. And our journalistic standards, we don't say that kind of stuff. So here's our interview that's heavily edited. And he started making waves with a lot of people who are kind of not right, not left. They're independent. And he was he was ticking off the right people and he was bringing on some uh, other other uh, fans and potential voters who were like, wait a second here. He's a Kennedy. His uncle is John F. Kennedy. His father is Robert F. Kennedy, who was both assassinated. And you were getting some of these maybe old school blue collar Democrat mm -hmm. Democrats who were like, uh, this new Democrat Party does not align with me. And I look to the past. I look to a name like Kennedy. And yet his campaign hasn't really gotten much traction either, uh, especially with his comments where, you know, he's anti-Ukraine uh, and, and more funding for Ukraine and anti the COVID vaccine, everything like that. But then, boy, as soon as soon as 10-7 happened, he went full on neocon, like every one of the regime talking points about supporting mm -hmm. Israel. So talk about him. And does he take away more votes as a third party member from Trump or Biden? So what happened with him, at least from the Twitter standpoint, was that 
he was taking votes and now he was taking votes from both. He was going to hurt Biden more, but he was taking votes from both. Um, from Trump, he was mainly taking the boomer vote, the older traditionalist who probably voted for Kennedy back in the day. Um, but what was happening was then people like me were going back through his tweets and doing oppo research on our own on him and then just started dumping it. And he just turned out to be a very libertarian fused with the Green Party. And it turned off a lot of people. That was That's my opinion. Um, as for the um, the votes, he, he, um, he hurts Biden more than he does um, Trump, but he hurts them both. Um, he'll take votes from both of them. I'm just Biden more. But I'm not sure he gets on the ballot in many places. Um, it's kind of like a Green Party scenario where the Democrats fight like hell to keep him off, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And, and one thing for people to know is the Democrat Party is very homogenous. As much as they're fighting at this current time about you have the more of the donor class that's very pro-Israel uh, and then you have the base that's very pro-Palestine. And you say, well, this is going to be a huge wedge issue. This is going to be a big rift in their party. Mm -hmm. By November, they're going to fall in line over Joe Biden. That's what ends up happening. And we saw that four years ago when Bernie Sanders is winning the Iowa caucus. And you had a little bit of the three people who liked Elizabeth Warren, who went to Harvard and had their graduate degrees and everything. And uh, uh, then you had Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Pete was trying to make some waves and Amy Klobuchar and all these other candidates. And all of a sudden. One phone call, one trip on Air Force One, and they're like, we support Joe Biden for president. We think he's going to be. All they had to do is get one phone call. And the one interesting thing about the Republican Party and, and the GOP in general is it's not necessarily homogenous. There are going to be DeSantis people that if DeSantis loses and is forced to drop out, they're not going to support Donald Trump. There's going to be people that if Trump cannot run, if they the courts find that he's ineligible, let's just say he's ineligible to run, there's Trump people who are going to say, I'm not going to vote this year. If, if DeSantis or Haley are on the ballot, I'm not going to do that. The Democrat Party plays to win. Republicans in many ways play not to lose. They play the prevent defense. Democrats will fall in line if they need to. And even even if it goes against all of their standards, all of whatever morals they have, they'll fall in line and they'll vote for Joe Biden, whatever is left of Joe Biden by the time we get to November. Yeah, that was one of the things I noticed when I was going through primary histories is that very early in the race, if there's a clear guy to get around, the Democrats do it and you start seeing later in the race just um, – the Democrats running up scores in South Carolina and New Hampshire and places like that because they've gotten around. Whereas um, the Republicans, there's a winner in Iowa, then in New Hampshire and South Carolina. It's they're all split and they never get around. They always take that um, wedge issue. Um, on the other hand, um, with shit, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh no, it's um, a, well, because but with with the Democrats right now, and and the thing is, a lot of them are not happy with Joe Biden. There's a lot of people who aren't happy. The the polls, I mean, he's in the 30s right now. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people who are disappointed because what we saw recently with the whole January 6th third anniversary right. of him saying everything that it's a threat to democracy. You have an insurrectionist on the ballot. And it's going to prove that he's not going to end up debating Trump if it gets down to it's going to be between him and Trump again. And there's going He'll to be give debates. it one debate 
And you think it. it'll be one? Because I didn't think he's going to debate at all. He has to all. do at least one just for appearances. And what I was going to say, if they do take Trump off, um, it'll be a disastrous landslide defeat for the Republicans because I don't think um, the Trumpers come out to vote. I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and so you have someone like Biden that is he's 81 years old. The the only time he's really sentient is they shoot him up with this B12 and I don't know, meth, cocaine, whatever they need to do where he's propped up for a little bit. And then Dr. Jill has to usher him off stage because he doesn't know where he is. But he gives this speech recently at Valley Forge. And I guess the Democrats calling card right now is threat to democracy, threat to democracy, threat to democracy they're going to keep repeating this as uh, as i said before it's edward bernays it's propaganda all you have to do is con continually repeat this propaganda and say it's a threat to democracy and that democracy and decency is on the ballot but i think for a lot of people who may have been boomers who voted for joe biden over trump like independent voters back in 2020 because of the mail-in ballots and everything else. They didn't think Trump took COVID serious enough. They thought, especially now since in insurrection, everything. But also, Joe Biden was supposed to run as this moderate. He's not Bernie Sanders. He's not Elizabeth Warren. He's not AOC. He's not the squad. Joe Biden is this moderate Democrat who's uh, going to bring you no more mean tweets, all of this. And yet, ever since then, they're forcing you to lose your job. I mean, you want to talk about authoritarianism. The sitting president is actively in his DOJ and his administration are trying to jail his chief political opponent right now. Mm -hmm. And yet he's going to be up there on stage talking about authoritarianism, dictatorships coming from Trump. It's like you're actually doing that right now. So I'm wondering if this is going to have some play for people who are very may have voted for Biden, but may not vote for him this time around. I don't think it's going to work. It's kind of like when Trump was trying to play the outsider as the incumbent. It just didn't work. Um, also, for a lot of people, they kind of tempered their feelings with Trump. The minute Biden got in office and Biden started tanking the economy and everybody started remembering the good things about Trump and not the bad things. No more tweets. Um, they're not so angry about Trump. And, you know, Bottom line is under Trump, um, average take-home pay um, went up $6,000. Under Biden, average take-home pay is down 7000 You can scream about saving democracy all you want, but everybody I know is working two jobs. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't think people are going to listen to it because they're feeling more democracy being lost at the pump than they are at the ballot box. I think the border is a huge thing, too. And one of the huge reasons why Trump won in 2016 is no one, no Republican, no one was really talking about mass immigration coming out and through the border. And here he is talking about what was going on. And he's mentioning coyotes and everyone's like, oh, he's talking about those little animals that look like dogs. No, he's not stupid. <laughs> he's actually talking about what's going on in the sex trafficking and the drug trafficking that's going on and coming into our country illegally. And, you know, you go anything all the way from great replacement theory. This was a huge winning issue for Trump that I think because of COVID that a lot of people got away from in 2020. But this needs to be a winning message for the GOP. You need to continue having a 24 hour camera on the border of, of 
tens of thousands of people crossing the Rio Grande every single day into the interior of our country. That needs to be a winning issue. And Joe Biden and his administration, they can be happy talk at all they want. They said that, oh, Biden went to the border. Yeah, exactly one year ago he went to the border and he went there for like an afternoon. He, I don't know if he spent more time in Maui or at the border. I, I don't know. But it's it's it has to be an issue that need that Trump, that DeSantis, that even Nikki Haley, for God's sake, has to exploit that. They have to talk about that because that should be a winning issue. And if but if the Democrats are going to try to start saying threat to democracy, systemic racism and taking away a woman's right to choose, if they have control of the narrative, I'm concerned at that point, because that's what happened in 22, is that the reason there wasn't a red wave is they kept saying uh, that, that a lot of women ended up being one issue voters. That issue was saving abortion. Um, yeah, that was another thing that I predicted is that the um, people were going to be a little sour on that Supreme Court ruling. But um, on 2020, the um, immigration um, Trump, that wasn't a potent issue for him because he did so well on it while he was in office and politicians pay a price for fixing problems. They can't run on it again. So, um, I mean, I appreciate Trump keeping his promises and actually doing what he was, he promised to do, but a lot of politicians choose to keep the problems as an issue so they can run on again. But that was the price Trump paid too, is not only COVID tempered it, but that he did such a great job on it. Didn't fix it, but he did a better job than most. And it wasn't as potent of an issue. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of people, when they look back to the, the Trump days, they think there's a little bit more nostalgia because the and some people are going, man, we complained about a lot of stuff. We didn't appreciate what we had at that time. And but you think about where Trump was and where his administration was during that time. It wasn't until March of 2019 that the Mueller report came out exonerating him, saying that, no, it was a big nothing burger. It was, nothing really happened. And then it was about a, a week reprieve. And then they were trying to impeach him over a phone call to Zelensky in Ukraine. Yep. So then that took up the rest of 2019. And then as soon as he was impeached over that, then COVID hits. So his yeah. entire four years as president were completely was- overshadowed by things beyond his power. So you obviously, if he does win, there's going to be some everybody knows there's going to be some shenanigans. They're going to cry racism. They're going to cry transphobia. All anything they can throw at the wall to see what sticks at this point. But uh, I, the good news is that if Trump does win, I mean, he's he's there and he'll be term limited at that point. So they wouldn't have to worry Which about the makes him now. even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because so in your one opinion. Of the reasons, oh, no, go ahead. One of the reasons why I think he held back a little bit is because he did have to get reelected. Um, now he can he's unchained. If he gets reelected, it, um, he will, I mean. Um, consequences be damned. He's he doesn't have to win re-election. I think the big thing, and there's a lot of criticism criticism that I, I think is both founded and unfounded, and and a little bit justified but unjustified uh, from the uh, DeSantis campaign is that Trump talked about draining the swamp, yet would bring John Bolton and would bring kind of some of these swamp creatures on board who ended up uh, Bill Barr who ended up stabbing him in the back eventually, 
And I guess the good news is that Trump is a little bit more politically savvy by 2024 than he was in, say, 2015, 2016, that in order to fill a cabinet, he's not going to have swamp creatures like John Bolton, whose mustache is the only person who has a better mustache than him is what I've got on right now. I'm just kidding. Uh, But uh, I think that's what's got to happen is filling out the administration and realizing that not only did he have to deal with the Russian Russia hoax, the Ukraine perfect phone call and then covid is that he also had people actively undermining him at every turn when he was president. So hopefully if he does get reelected in 2024, that he's going to have a much more of a stable cabinet who's not going to try to stab him in the back every chance he gets. Trump even said it himself that he knows now not to hire, who to hire. Um, But I'll also, I'll say, I'll defend him on one. I actually like the John Bolton hire for one reason. And Trump has even said this too. He didn't really hire him because he liked his policies. He knew that everybody knew, everybody around the world knew his reputation for a guy who wanted to burn the world down. So having John Bolton in the room made people think you were that crazy. And it was almost like a, you know, yeah, we are serious. So you better get um get serious with us and start negotiating or I'll unleash Bolton on you. Oof. Well, yeah, that's that's not not a bad idea and it's it's weird I mean because you're already seeing the the nominate or the um endorsements right now. Steve Scalise recently said I endorse Pre- President Trump, former President Trump, whatever for president. The endorsements are going to start coming down uh, probably by the time people hear this podcast. There's going to be a lot of them, pretty high profile ones. Everyone's going to have to eventually start to fall in line because otherwise it's uh, you're just going to continue the craziness and people are going to and probably rightly so say the GOP is dysfunctional and they can't get behind whatever. So um, as we start wrapping up the podcast here, David, what would you say? What are your predictions I'm not going to say in November because I'll probably have you on uh, before then and we can get to that at this time. What are your predictions in the next, let's say until from now, meaning early to mid-January until about June? What do you see happening? Who do you see dropping out? Do you see any other shenanigans? Do you see uh, Georgia trying to uh, play some other type of uh, business of trying to lock him up and preventing him from running? What do you see going on next? Um, as far as the courts go, I think he just spends a lot of time in the courtroom and less time on the, um, campaign trail. Nothing too crazy. I don't think they want to go that far, especially Georgia because they're Republican. Um, even though that sounds crazy because they're not on our side, technically. Um, I think Trump's the presumptive nominee by the end of Super Tuesday. Um, and I don't think he loses a state, um, that's pretty much as far. I also think he becomes the first um, primary candidate in history to win South Carolina, New Hampshire, and Iowa by 20 or more points. Wow. Well, I mean, it's it's fascinating. And then what do you see? Do you see because there there's been a lot of people uh, on libertarian sides, conservative sides, even some Democrat sides like a Jimmy Dore type who would say, I don't see Joe Biden running for president. I don't see this. I think they'll replace him by the spring. They'll repl-. And I'm thinking to myself, uh-uh, they're going to weekend at Bernie's him all the way to the mm-hmm. finish line, in my opinion, because everyone's like, well, would it be Kamala Harris? Would it be Gavin Newsom? Would it be Gretchen Whitmer? Who's the next possibility? And I'm thinking they don't have another possibility because they aren't truly riding with Biden right now. And God help us if he wins. 
or wins in quotes that he'll be 86 by the time his term ends 86. He listen to a speech from even 2020. Joe Biden is not the same person. This is, this is a completely different, you know, there's some people who are 81 who are very sprite and spry and, you know, are, are able to uh, go for a, a marathon run and go back to college. Then there's a couple of 81 year olds who are really old and Joe Biden is the latter. He's looking very old, but I truly believe they'll do anything they can. They will shoot him up with anything they they possibly could in his veins to try to keep him upright until November. Uh, do you do you see them in in your opinion that Biden is going to hold on to the finish here? Yeah, Biden certainly no Paul McCartney when it comes to eighty one years old. <laughs> um, but yeah, they he's their best chance. I um, mean, he still has the incumbency advantage. Um, even though he's a very weak incumbent, um, he still gives them their best shot. He's the only one who can beat Trump, but Trump is also the only one who can beat Biden. That's true. And do you? And I guess the last question I'll ask you is: Do you think the media, whether it's the media, the regime, is propping Trump up the way they did in 2016, where you were seeing the the Clintons, who who have since admitted that, yeah, we did prop him up, and yeah. Uh, the, all the major news places would just film an empty lectern and podium with the spotlight on it an hour and a half before Trump is even going up there because they thought Trump is going to be enough of a patsy. They're going to have enough people are going to have their eyes on him by saying, look at this buffoon running for president. Who's going to vote for him? But it's hilarious. Let's keep propping him up. And he ended up winning. Do you think they're going to try that again? Do you think that the reason they're trying to arrest him, all that is to keep him in the spotlight, keep Joe Biden out of the spotlight and have more people kind of look at him as, hey, this guy is, uh, you know, he's a lunatic, but we're going to have him win all the nominations because we know that he that Biden beat Trump before and he'll beat him again. I'm not sure that they believe that Trump will lose to Biden anymore, at least from watching Fox News. I think that they believe Trump will probably win this time, at least as we're, we stand today. Um, I think what they like about Trump right now is the ratings. If you're watching Fox News right now, they have three Chirons going. Haley Town Hall at 6 on Monday. DeSantis on Tuesday at 6. Trump on Wednesday at 9. Mm. Trump's in prime time where the other two are on while you're eating dinner. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. But, uh, do you, but you believe, though, that by the time we get to this point in November that – do you, do you think we'll we'll be seeing another Grover Cleveland that um, a non-consecutive termed president returns or are they going to pull whatever they can, whatever, you know, virus, whether it's a computer virus or a literal virus in your your lungs again? Are they going to do anything they can with mail in ballots and anything like that? Do you do you think that we'll uh, we'll be seeing another President Trump or are we going to go back to another four more years of Joseph Robinette Biden? I think that we are in, I think both. I think they'll try to pull something, but I think that Trump will be polling and will perform beyond the margin of fraud. And so there will be, um, too many people will be supporting Trump this time around for them to steal it. So that's typically uh, a mar typically a margin of fraud is in a state, anything beyond two points. So 
I mean, we're in we're in January right now, and we're not even we're not even in the thick of it right now. We had to deal with last year and what it's going to do with with the polls and and, and what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, and Maui, and all these other things that were kind of leading up to what we see this year. We haven't even seen any of the craziness by the time we record this podcast. So, well, we'll let's let's stay in touch because I'd like to have you on as we get closer sure. to the election here. But uh, David, thanks again for coming back on. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to go check out his book. I'm sharing it again. Forgotten Nine Baseball Players Who Belong in the Hall of Fame. There's no politics in this book, so if you didn't want to hear the politics, you can read about the uh, the dead ball era of some of these guys who should be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, where else can we find you on Twitter X, whatever we want to call it nowadays? Or uh, I'm on Twitter and I'm about. I'm on Twitter and I'm about to launch a a podcast here in the next month. Um, I have a little bit of information on my Twitter page about that too. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, uh, David. Thanks uh, for another, another appearance. And yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch as we go on uh, down the road here in 2024. Thank you for having me. And I thank you for watching the Check Your Brain podcast and listening to the Check Your Brain podcast. Again, every Wednesday, this free podcast is available on all the major podcast platforms. This is also on YouTube, and I have a Rumble page. I do a, a, a Rumble show every week. I didn't do one last week, but I'll do. I'll make up for it. I'll put, put another one up there for you. Uh, but yeah, I'm all over the place. If you want to go check it out. And if you want extra content, go to patreon.com slash Tony May. A lot of solo podcasts. I comment on the news. I comment on all the insanity going on in our culture. So go check that out. T-O-N-Y-M-A-Z-U-R. That is patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. Have yourselves a good one. I'll talk to you folks next week. Bye, everyone.